Welcome to the Twilight Conversations. My name is Jimmy, and in this podcast, I'll be exploring human relationships, human potential, and that curious space between the dark and the light. Hello, and welcome to episode 49 of the Twilight Conversations. 49. Funk 49. Not Funk 49. Funk 49, which is um, a tune by a band called The James Gang. You may or may not know them. They weren't a well-known band, but you know the main guitarist who played with them was the brilliant Joe Walsh, one of my favorite guitarists. So he was with the James Gang, um, playing this wild guitar. Um, and he, uh, you'll probably know him. He came into the Eagles then for Hotel California, that era. Gave the Eagles a bit of edge. Like the Eagles, loved them, couldn't not, but they were a bit, you know. Joe came in. Edgy guitar attitude, you know. Um, it's interesting when you hear people talking about good musicians or guitarists, what it means. Um, I mean, there's lots of fantastically gifted, talented guitarists, of course. But you want a bit of that, but the, you want an attitude. And Joe Walsh has fucking attitude galore. I just love his guitar. You can just feel it, feel it strongly in his playing. Um, so when all the others in the 70s, the you know, rock musicians were famous for fucking out televisions out hotel windows, he made them all look like Boy Scouts. Joe Walsh had a chainsaw and he was ripping rooms up. I'm not condoning that. He was just mad, mad into addiction at that time as it's since been in recovery, uh, which is great for the world, you know, and, and, and hotel management places as well. He was just wild, wild, wild. A uh, lot of pain, as you can imagine. Anyway, Joe Walsh, Funk 49, that was, it's not particularly relevant to communication other than music communicating, a real funky tune, it's got his edgy guitar in it, but uh, his work in the Eagles, I mean, you know, if you know the album Hotel California, Life in the Fast Lane, you know that, that's Joe Walsh, he even made that up, he used to use that as a warm-up, and they heard him playing it and said, what's that? And then they put the, the thing to it, you know. So that wonderful guitar and then the actual track Hotel California. Now I know those twin lead guitars, there's that other guy, I can't think of his name. But Joe gave it that edge, you know, yeah, that edge, kind of, not even edge, attitude or energy. Anyway, he also, then he went solo and he probably left us with, you know, if he's still with us, um, one of the most iconic, noticeable, brilliant guitar intros ever. And the song's called Life's Been Good. Now, you may not know it by the name, but if you hear the song, you'll kind of, you'll instantly recognize. I haven't got a note in my head, so go check out Life's Been Good by Joe Walsh, just for the opening even. And you'll you'll just feel his guitar, and then it's brilliant, brilliant. Another one called Rocky Mountain Way. Anyway, that's Joe Walsh, episode 49, Funk 49. Nothing to do with Joe Walsh, it was just the Funk 49 piece. Um, but sadly, sadly, we have lost uh, the iconic Tina Turner. My God. Now, there was a force of nature. I think it's a couple of days ago I heard, I think she was in her 70s, was she? I'm 61, 71, mid-late 70s. I, I, I hear she had cancer for quite a while, bell cancer, because she went quiet. She was living in Switzerland. Um, I don't know if she was recording as much anymore, but my God, you know, whether you liked her music or not, you just had to love her. And I remember Ike and Tina Turner <clears throat> back in the 60s, 70s. And the treatment they gave, well, she gave, to Creedence Clearwater Revival's Proud Mary, you know, rolling on the river. 
that was something everybody knows her for that, you know, the way it started real, real slow and then boom, explodes into life. That was Tina Turner, wasn't it? And of course, then we later learned that Ike was a misogynist, narcissistic, abusive, psychopathic type of guy. And uh, if you saw the film, uh, I think the film was called Love, What's Love Got To Do With It? Played brilliantly by Angela Bassett. You got to see her story, a bit of her story. There's a great documentary called Tina, if you haven't seen it. I was just watching it again recently. Um, My God, what a soul, what a person, you know. Uh, that resilience, that kind of like, she got into Buddhism and, you know, I think you probably all know the story. But what's also extraordinary is when she started doing her, even though the stuff with Ike and Tina Turner was great, when she started to do, be creative and do her own work, her own style of singing, excuse me, that breakthrough album, that was 19, in 1984 and she was in her 40s. Her best work was between 40 and 60. Something in this hope, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Day. Not to be a singer, I'll never be that, but like, you know, that was, she was recording right through that era. That was her best, best work. So if you're between 40 and 60 and you're feeling like giving it all up, don't. You know, look at Tina Turner, you know. Um, and all she wanted from Mike was the name. That's all she wanted. She He got all the fucking money and the royalties from all their previous stuff. But, she, you know, freedom was more important to her and her integrity and her creativity. And that album, I think the album was called Private Dancer. I remember it in 1984, it came out. She just reinvented herself and fabulous songs. Mark Knopfler's Private Dancer, of course, which was superb. What's Love Got To Do With It? I think that was um, Gallagher and Lyle, the guy from there. Bowie's song, 1984, even though it was 90, was, was there. Bowie was involved with her, but helping with a lot of stuff. Um, and... People just loved her. Musicians just loved her and wanted to help her and boom, off it went. And then the rest is literally history. You know, she just, she had a dream of wanting to play huge big stadiums and, and of course she did. She did all of that. So I don't know what the circumstances of her death was like, but I hope she didn't suffer too much. I hope she went peacefully and well, what a career, what a life to leave behind. Um, she's left a lasting impression, hasn't she? Tina Turner, well. So R.I.P. Tina, just wanted to name that. Um, yes, so this is episode three, a uh, uh, part of a trilogy, a three-part trilogy on communication. You may have heard the first two, so I hope they were helpful to you. Some people have said they have and they enjoyed it or got a lot from it or I'm looking forward to number three. And of course, I'm saying three, you could go on doing everything's about communication, isn't it? I'm just trying to highlight a couple of things. Someone said to me, you always seem to be in good form, Jimmy, you know, and I kind of am, but like everybody, I have my uh, worries and regrets and fears and hurts and sadnesses and losses, like I no more or less than anybody else. I just, yeah, you know, wouldn't use this platform to get into them. So, uh, you know, it's probably a good good lesson for us all, isn't it, to understand that when we meet people, you never know what's really going on for them. I don't even mean people are trying to pretend. People have stuff they may not be showing at that time. You know, everyone has, and that's an important part of communication, isn't it? You know, what we often see or what we think about someone may not be the case, so we need to find out more. Um, and that's true for everyone. Everyone has their moods and their ups and their downs. You might be able to tell at that time. You know, so I'm not consciously trying to hide anything, but I know there are issues and areas of my life, as with everybody's that I, I wouldn't discuss on, on this particular forum. I uh, wouldn't put you through all of that, uh, but just to say that out loud. Um, you know, we're all like everybody, we're all human beings, aren't we? With hopes, dreams, fears, regrets, 
expectations, all the normal human stuff. So just to name that out loud. Okay, so what I'm going to, a term I've used, or I probably said, excuse me, quite a lot in the first two episodes was really the real core of communication is really all about the meanings and the interpretations, you know, and the codes. It doesn't matter if someone speaks double Dutch. It's not, I mean, the content is important, of course, what someone is saying. Of course, we'll get to that. We need to be trying to be clear about that. But if we know who we're communicating with and we know his or her style, well, when they say certain things, then we get to know what that means because that may mean something different to somebody else. So I said it before, like a meaning in one family may be different to another family. So a phrase you might use, someone will interpret differently than what you meant. And again, I know it seems like I'm stating the obvious. That's why it's important to check. When I said that, did you hear, or what did you hear when I said X, Y, Z, you know? And of course, as we all know, with, with on text, it's almost impossible. Because text is like neurodiverse, there's no, it's very hard to find the, the subtlety or the nuance there. And it's not that neurodiverse people do not have subtlety or nuance, that's a bit of a myth. It's just differently expressed, you know, but you can't. Uh, someone once recently said to me, you know, it's, it's, I think the term was, the, text is the devil when it comes to communication and, and interpretation, you just don't know. So unless you really, really get to know someone, but even when you do, you can still kind of mix something up in a text. You can put something out and not think out the bell and the other person here is like, what do you mean I'm a cunt? <laughs> you know, you didn't say that at all. Or vice versa, you know. So text is better for straightforward stuff if you can, you know, see you at such and such a time, da 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 Unless you really start get to know someone and you know their styles or you're in a group text and you, it's kind of a bit more lighthearted, you know. Uh, but yeah, things can be misunderstood easily. I think everyone's had that experience. And most of the time it's kind of funny and you clear it up and you kind of go, no, that meant that. No, when, when I use that phrase, that means, da, da, da. and again, it's contextual to the conversation. So there's lots of layers to that, you know, and the timing and the mood at the time and all those types of things. But meanings, codes, interpretations are huge. We do all of that. But what we need to understand is, and for each person, we know there's a couple of general ones that kind of are for everybody, but you can, you can't rely on that. You have to tailor it to when he says that. I know I have certain friends who use phrases and I know what that means for them. But if they said them to someone else, it might be confusing and vice versa. So we have little codes and things that we would use. What certain things mean. So again, I can't stress that enough to get clear of good communication or um, effective, wholesome, good feeling communication. It's all about finding out what the meaning is, what that the other person knows what you mean and you know what they mean. The words then are nearly not that important. Once we know those words mean that. And of course you throw in the tone, the which you won't get on text, of course, you'll get on voice note, you'll get on a phone call, how that is, the mood, or if you're in person, you've got the benefit of really feeling someone's energy, seeing what's happening. So there's less, you can still get misunderstood, but there's much, much less chance and you can check it out much more quickly. Because often if it's text or whatever, it's kind of like there's gaps and you're kind of going, and then a couple of days may have gone by and then you've got a chance to misinterpret more in your own mind or they have and you're wondering, you know, so as soon as you can, check these things out with people. Uh, God, what does that mean? And, and I think it's safe not to assume. I think it's safe even if it feels obvious what something means still check it out you know does that mean that <laughs> you know um yeah okay 
Okay, so communication. Again, meanings, purposes. What's, what, what are we conveying? What does, what are these words? What do this sound? What is it I'm trying to say to you? What is it you're trying to say to me? What is it that's going on between us as an individual or a group, whoever I'm communicating with? What's that energy? What's, what's the important thing there, you know? And we all want to be known, don't we? You know, well, I want to be known, known. Not by everybody. There's some things that I want people to know, but you know, in, in, in the good sense. And I would trust that other human beings want to be known. And there's a, 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 a magic and a, an exhilaration and a, just a beautiful feeling about communication when it goes well, isn't it? It's just, think, it's just magical. You know, I said it's, it's the process itself I love, not the outcome nearly, you know. It can be a lovely, lovely piece. I go as far as to say that communication is an art form. And um, I'll get to that a little bit later on. It's almost impossible to, I've, I've mentioned before, to uh, talk about communication or miscommunication without Pink Floyd, particularly the album The Wall. And of course, the classic is the wonderful track that everybody knows comfortably numb. You don't have to be an addict because a lot of people, you know, it's an addicty thing, isn't it? It's not at all. It's a human thing because uh, he was using a lot of drugs in the film. Um, but it wasn't just about that at all. That was part of what made it more complex for him to communicate. Um, or maybe it saved his life. We don't know. For those of you that don't know, uh, and of course you have another wonderful guitarist there in Dave Gilmore, um, fabulous musicians. The opening lines to Comfortably Numb are, hello, 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 is there anybody in there? Right? Just not if you can hear me. Is there anyone home? Now, that's literal, but it's also metaphoric, isn't it? It's also quite symbolic. Think about that. That's what we're saying all the time, isn't it? Hello, hello, is there anyone in there? Oh, we might literally be caught. Is there anybody in there? You know, you know I think I did a, a podcast on that. Is there anybody out there? Anybody in there? So I'm just touching on that again because it's so important for communication. You know, the basic check. Hello, you're knocking on someone's door or you're banging on someone's wall. There's a great line in the wall called when you're banging against some mad bugger's wall, when you're banging, knocking, and there's no, you're either not getting an answer or you're getting a lot of crap back, whatever, right? We're often banging on some mad bugger's wall, you know. Just not if you can hear me, you know, so the, the, the person's attempting to communicate, is there anybody in there? Okay, now in the film, yeah, he's out on, on, on mood-altering chemicals, but this could apply to any type of communication, couldn't it? We're often saying that I often have felt that I've often felt I'm trying to communicate with someone or I've often been the recipient that's kind of like, is there anybody out there? Because that's also a, a song on, from the album, is there anybody out there? And sometimes we can't communicate because in company, no one also says, you know, your lips move, but I can't hear what you're saying, you know? So sometimes you're trying to speak uh, or maybe you're trauma triggered or you're tongue tied and you can't, you know? You can't convey, you can see the person, you can see the confusion in their eyes and you kind of, you know, so there's all variations on that, but it's just a very, very powerful, the whole album is about that. The album, The Wall, is about kind of alienation, miscommunication, disconnection, isolation, reaching out for connection, you know, is there anybody home? And we know home is the metaphor for the, for the person. Is there anyone home? You know, anyone in there? What do we say? The lights are on, but no one home. You know, all that type of stuff. You know. So the the house or the home is a, a, a brilliant metaphor for the person who we're trying to communicate with. 
because there's different doors and windows and we're looking for a window or anyone in are the lights on you know is there any and if i do go in is it warm is it cold is it what's the house what's the reception like so it's a wonderful way to look at that and sometimes that can happen literally isn't it some places you can go to and you kind of go ooh, a little bit frosty here now you know you don't feel the welcome it may be temporary and then it changes, but you know, that's the, the voice. I would tend to not want to go to places like that. Like, who would, you know? Like, yeah, Jimmy, there's people who love that. Maybe there is, I don't know. Uh, is there anybody out there? Yeah. So we can be on both sides where we're kind of like reaching out. We're, hello, we're trying to reach someone. Hello, is there anybody in there? Anyone? Or you may be uh, trapped in yourself. Is there anybody out there and you're looking to be rescued and you're hoping someone will reach you. They'll either see you, they'll look at you, they'll call you, they'll text you, they'll touch you, they'll lift you out of something, you know, but maybe you can't, you're not able to at that time. And that can be difficult and to even be patient with yourself and that, you know, you can't speak properly. Yeah, but you'll get back to it. You'll get around to it, you know. And if, if the person or people who are trying to communicate with you care or love about you, they'll be patient. They'll kind of go, we'll, we'll give you a shout later on. You know, you can take a breath and regroup and then you can talk. And I'm just, you know, thinking as I'm talking about our own kind of solitude, our privacy, our loneliness, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. There's a certain part of our soulfulness, our loneliness that's kind of like, okay. And there's a part of it that isn't okay. There's a part that where we need to reach out and have human contact, you know. And there's a part of our loneliness or aloneness that's quite okay. I don't mind that myself. It's where I'm okay. I can reach out. I have people. That's fine. But I like, uh, and I'm not feeling bad. I like that kind of soulful feeling, you know. I can, I can be quite comfortable in that. So one of the important questions, I think, that, you know, again, if generally these this podcast is about improving communication, obviously. So questions to ask are, am I crea- you know, am I creating walls or bridges to communication? That's a nice, simple image to use, isn't it? Like walls and bridges. I've just spoke about the album, The Wall. Bridge is, is universal. I love bridges. Because you can stay on one side if you like, but there's still, you can still, you know, there's a pathway to the other or to the place. And they can stay there and you can, it's nice if you meet in the middle. Oh, this is nice, isn't it? You can lean on the, the rail there and watch the river pass by and play poo sticks whatever you want to do and you can go back to your space so it's nice you've got a retreat space and you can come into a space you can invite the person into your space and then they can go back into their space so bridge is a beautiful symbol of love freedom and communication you know that's a nice clear question am i making a bridge or a wall right now and maybe i might need a wall for a while that's okay but just to know am i what am I, or am I experiencing a bridge or a wall from this person? And that can, might be a once off at someone, but if you're continually bumping into that, there may be another, something else needs to be looked at. We'll get to that. So walls and bridges. I'm thinking of drawbridges as well, and moats and castles and ivory towers, you know, the drawbridge. Again, another great metaphor, very protective. So if we're feeling that bit more like like privacy or solitude, so we imagine we need a bit of a moat around us, the water around us, and we're in our, our castle. And we, but we have access. We're not cutting off completely. We've got the drawbridge with the chains on it. We can bring that up or down if we need to. Again, it's another very clear uh, metaphor to help us understand that, you know. And, you know, the ivory towers, these are all classic symbols that are used for 
loneliness, isolation, solitude, you know, people locked away in their towers in the self can often be very, the intellect can be that way. So um, the wonderful Simon Garfunkel song by the Paul Simon again, which I used in the last episode, Sounds of Silence. I'm also thinking of the song, I Am a Rock, if you know that song. A couple of lines are, again, very powerful. I am a rock. I've built walls, a fortress deep and mighty. I have no need for friendship because friendship causes pain. It's laughter and it's loving I disdain. So again, you got that little bit of kind of sarcasm there, a bit like ER, a bit like, I'm going to get a little bit hurtful because I'm hurting, <laughs> you know, but I don't want to really hurt you. So there's a disdain there, right? And then it goes on to say, don't talk of love. Well, I've heard those words before. It's sleeping in my memory. I won't disturb the slumber of feelings that have died. If I've never loved, I never would have cried. I am a rock. I am an island. And a rock feels no pain. And an island never cries. Deedle, 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 deedle. Beautiful. Uh, again, I always bring a bit of a tear to my way whenever I hear that song or songs like it. Because I can identify, of course. And it's just so beautifully written and played, you know. And it just really manages to put the finger on something so human so important in us and i think we've all been a bit there that's the beautiful thing about these songs some people get trapped in that place for a long time but i've certainly been the rock in the island i've certainly been that um in that space in my life you know but uh, thankfully not anymore and if i do it's kind of temporary it's just a short and it's, it's kind of sometimes we need to retreat a little bit and lick the wounds or do whatever we need to do but i'm always doing it to come back again so you'll, you'll often hear as well you know again i'm stating the obvious communication should be a two-way street we think it's a two-way street you know and it, it by rights it should be although it may not always feel that way you know maybe you feel you're kind of knocking on a door and nobody's no one's answering you know you know that experience so that may be a sign to change your communication style or more importantly it might be a sign to change who I'm trying to communicate with. Because after a while, we need to take the hint. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? In a nice way. You know, hello. <laughs> Shh, he's outside. <laughs> you know, some kid knocking on the door. You know, you know what I mean? Where for whatever reason, you know, you feel drawn to somebody or somebody's, but they're not playing ball with you. They're not. And it's not just a once-off. It's not just because they're not in or not. They, there's kind of a bit of a pattern. So you can ab absolutely see here there might be some maladaptive childhood uh, pattern playing out here where we're seeking love connection from uh, an adult or carer who is unable to do that or is not in a good, they're a bit toxic themselves. So that can be quite painful, of course, because that's the person we want to connect with, but they keep not being there, you know, so we may carry that pattern into adulthood and be choosing people that are unsuitable for us, you know, that aren't working. So sometimes we have to reassess and kind of recognize the dysfunctional styles or seeking connection with toxic people who are pretty unable or unwilling to give us what we need, you know. It's like that old saying, you've probably heard me saying, it's like looking for a hug from someone with no arms. You know, it's quite a stark metaphor, isn't it? Why aren't they putting their arms around me? You know, you, you, you fail to see at the time they don't have any arms. And of course, that's the, the metaphor. They don't have the capacity. They don't have the goods. They don't have the the will, the goodwill, whatever. They're not able to. There may be a million explanations why this person or these people aren't able to connect with you or meet you where you are. And, you, you know, the more we can do it as adults, but children will tend to go knocking, you know, the way you see a kid playing with, with kids that are cruel to them and you just want to say, don't fucking mind them, you know, but they keep going in, it's going, oh, please don't go there, you know, you know what I mean? 
But uh, it's kind of like that and we carry that pattern in and it can be very, feel very wounding for the child and or then the adult because you get triggered into an old pattern then, you know. And then we, the pattern is there must be something wrong with me. I must try harder or I'll do different. And then we mistakenly think, God, oh, they're great. They have it all together. We haven't. And of course, the truth is the other way around. They're in the dark triad. They're toxic. You know, they're not in a good place because why, why would you even, you know, it's, it's okay to say to someone, I don't want to have a connection or relationship with you. It's a bit harsh, but yeah, fair enough. That's not, you know, and then you know. But these people leave a little bit out for you usually, you know, a few crumbs. We know that whole pattern, right? We can get caught in that, but we can't put it on them anymore because adults, we've got to say to ourselves, right, at some point I'm going to need to see this person has no arms. Why am I looking for a hug? I, I, I don't seem to be able to accept that. Either I accept that's the way they are, and, and move on and seek arms from somebody else, arms being you know, love and good connection, and realize there's absolutely nothing wrong with me, which is really, really important. That's the book that's important there. There's something dreadfully wrong with them. And we may pick up their projection onto us because they usually feel crappy about themselves and they're quite happy to let you feel that. We know that one. So sometimes we can fail to recognize that, but let's hope we see that. We see the futility of like... This is fucking a waste of time here, you know, and, and, and I'm not doing my dignity any good here. I'm, I'm ripping my own heart out here every time I contact this person or reach out to them or them or who or this group, you know, it comes off. And hopefully with good good guidance and friendships, you know, a friend will say to you, leave that one out, Jim. You know, or I've often said to a friend, no, come on, come on, don't mind that, don't mind that. Don't, they don't even get into them. Let's look at where you are. There's there's plenty of love for you. There's loads of love. Just not there. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there is. There's plenty of love both inside yourself and available elsewhere. You know, uh, if someone isn't playing ball. And, and they've got a right to not play ball. I mean, there's also a case where people aren't being toxic. They just don't dig you. They don't connect with you. And that's fine. They're not, you know, but we still have to realize that and realize I'm looking for something either they don't want to give me or that they haven't got to give me or whatever. And you know, we all bump into that occasionally and we've, uh, you know, hopefully with as much dignity and humor and love we have within us with good friendships, we can kind of like lick our wounds a bit and kind of go, yeah, right. I see them down there. They're mad into you. Go down there, you know, or just look at yourself. You're fine. You don't need anyone, which is nice. So just to, to clarify, the kind of things we're looking for are very ordinary. There's nothing wrong with what we're looking for because that's another mistake we make. Oh, maybe I'm looking for too much. No, we're looking for empathy. We're looking for awareness. We're looking for people with skills, sensitivity, gentleness, love, respect, all the ordinary stuff. I call them the basics. I often say the basics aren't there. It's time to get out. Certainly the basics aren't there. So you don't mind a once-off, but if you're recognizing kind of on a, a pattern wise that, but, but no, the basics for me may be different for someone else, but the basics for me would be that, you know, kind of uh, that someone has the ability to empathize, to connect, to be creative, to be skillful, to want to have a desire to love you and care about you and put time and energy and effort into you and all those lovely things. But they lack that with you. They may have it for someone else. My guess is they probably don't. Uh, as I said, it, it's often part of an old dysfunctional pattern and very little to do with that adult person, but an old pattern that a lot of us will have where we're seeking love. A younger part of us is seeking love from someone who can't or won't give it to us. And they're an adult. And understandably, any normal child would kind of go, why not? What's wrong? Did I do something wrong? Quite normal. But as the adult, we've got to catch that with love. Okay, it's okay. Not like, oh, for fuck's sake. It's okay. 
you know, because the adult can recognise, as an adult, I always recognise, the child of me won't, sometimes wants me to not see, but I always recognise bogeys, basically, we'll call them bogeys, but uh, there might be a, a good bit, but the child's coming, I'm on, I'm on that one, <laughs> doing that again, you know, uh, we'll, we'll just want something in the moment, and, and that's okay, I'll be gentle with that. Yeah, and as I said, at some point, with the help of loving friends, or our own kind of, listen, really honouring ourselves, we kind of hear that, you know. And realise that they can't give me a hug, they don't have any fucking arms, they have no capacity to love, they're nowhere near anything like what I need, and that's them. I'm sure they're, they're okay with someone else, but not for me. Not for me. And there's nothing wrong with me, and there's really nothing wrong with them, other than they're maladaptive in a different way, you know, but my, my problem isn't them. But just a little blindness for me around the absence of arms, <laughs> so to speak, you know. Now, if I'm being really honest, all of those situations, I can see they don't have any arms. But in the beginning, I don't want to see. You know that one? Uh, and it's a matter of time, really, before you begin to see that. A huge part of effective, healthy communication is looking closely and examining and accessing. It's assessing my apologies it's more about the who am i trying to communicate with as opposed to what i'm trying to communicate and that's a really important part because we can have all the skills in the world and be as clear as ever but it's the wrong people so it's a bit like a follow-on from what i'm just saying so that's a huge part you can save yourself a lot of time and energy you know you're trying to bring this great communication style to someone who just doesn't appreciate it doesn't respect it, doesn't get it, is a bit frightened by it, whatever they are. So you maybe take a little bit of time and look around and kind of go, well, who am I trying to communicate with? Who am I bringing my best self to here? Who's, and are they worth it? And, you know, you assess that a little bit more. And are they able to? Is, is it fair on me to expect them to give me something they haven't got? Because you can't give what you haven't got, right? Simple as that. Or they're in some kind of perverted vibe and they refuse to give it to you and they're working out some maladaptive shit of their own, you know. Um, you know, you need to know it's not your fault. But as an adult now, you have, you have to take charge of what you're going to do about that. There's nothing wrong with you. It's about moving on, learning, breathing, finding. Maybe there may be a piece about avoiding actually getting what you need, mate. That can be a fear sometimes. I've spoken about that. Where if I choose the right people, they actually will kind of go, yeah, my arms are open to you. Am I really ready for that? I would say absolutely yes now. But there were times when I thought I was and I wasn't. And then when it was available, it was like, ooh, <laughs> you know, I think that's quite a common human experience, isn't it? You know, yeah. So that's a whole journey in itself, kind of recognizing the, the who, uh, the kind of people, what style of people, is there a pattern to the types of people? You know, whether that's friendships, colleagues, family members, uh, loved ones, whoever it might be, you know. And we need to evaluate that. You know, it's a whole, just looking out for that dysfunctional pattern, but either in myself or in the other, you know. Notice the dysfunction of people who can only provide kind of chaos, rejection, confusion, woundedness, all that type of stuff. And I'm long done with that now. There was a time I could kind of flourish in there a little bit because we all know that familiar place is awful, but we're familiar with it and it's kind of a bit of a game. And But uh, I, I don't like it anymore. Most people don't really like it deep down. You know, it's not inspiring. It's not like, doesn't kind of fill you full of, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, it all is like, so evaluating who I want to communicate with is equally as important as how I communicate can't stress that enough so that's something to look at as well so like breeds like 
love breeds love goodwill people will help you know they'll help the communication process so really seeking the light triad and again calling calling yourself the light triad isn't like elevating yourself as something elite light triad is just being goodwilled open reasonable human you know as opposed to toxic uh tendency to want to hurt to avoid or all that type of stuff right the dark triad so check that you're seeking people that are in the light triad you know, there's no membership card now, but there, there almost is. But you can tell by the way you communicate. You can tell by people's energy and usually consistency would tell you because the dark triad can pull it off at one one or two meetings and they, they think they're great, but then the, the cracks start to show very quickly. Uh, but light triad people remain consistent. You know, they have little ups and downs, but they're very consistent in, in how they love you, care about you. What I found interesting about good communication styles is as I was kind of thinking about it more, um, the old Rogerian style, you know, uh, so it's client-centered communication, person-centered therapy, it's often called, which again, I think is a little bit misunderstood because all good therapy will have this at its basis. But we're not just talking about therapy, we're talking about ways of communicating. You know, we'll have what Rogers identified, the core conditions, the empathy, right? We, there's not much more to be, we all want to be, we want someone to feel our feelings with us not for us but to feel to you know it's not just to know to actually get a sense of what we're saying and feeling that empathy i get that i can i think it's to walk in the shoes of nearly you know to empathize congruence that consistency that integrity you want that congruence that to be there and unconditional positive regard you know that's a beautiful thing upr unconditional positive regard so i'm just going to use them as uh, i'm just going to do a little list for you now in a minute of what's helpful communication what's unhelpful uh quite a little bit clinical-ish not too clinical um but underneath that is the for the helpful side is you need empathy congruence unconditional positive regard you know that's was carl rogers's development i'll have to stress that so it just it's the right kind of person obviously like triad you're looking for if you are, and behind what you say, because I'm going to look at a few statements that you can be making, you're looking at atmosphere, you know, uh, for the helpful support of communication. Is it warm, curious? What's the tone like? Gentle, loving, inviting, inclusive, respectful, soft. Soft, not as in weak, but they've got like soft edges. It's not, you know, that kind of edgy communication you can get from someone. Yeah, it kind of hurts, always hurts my ears for some reason, gives me a headache. It's just, there's a tone to it, you know, it's kind of, even though they might be saying nice things, it's like it's, there's an, incons- an incongruence there, you know, and that's why that word incongruence is so important, you know. So you've got the, the, the statements, the things I'm actually saying, and the energy behind what I'm saying. And we've got the dark triad and the light triad again as, as helpful uh, kind of indicators to that. So here's what's totally unhelpful. Now, there's a million more things, but I'm just going to name a couple of things, right? Uh, what's unhelpful is, and you'll often find you statements, you, when you're saying you, you. They're a little bit attacking, aren't they, when you say you. So criticism, obviously, is unhelpful. Contempt, stonewalling, defensiveness. That's often, the, I think they call them the, force ho- the four horsemen of, of bad communication, uh, is contempt, stonewalling, defensiveness, and criticism. You know, and contempt is awful when you can feel that, you know, someone's using contemptuous words or 
uh, or it's in their tone or their stonewalling you like they're just stubborn and it's like you just feel that wall boom, 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 you know um, or you get that defensive feel we can all be a little bit defensive in the moment and you can kind of go shit yeah I'm sorry about that well, I was I reacted there you know that's fine but when someone's in that position it's like a position and they're accusing they're accusatory in the way they communicate with you lack of enthusiasm <sighs> that's a fucking passion killer isn't it <laughs> about it and you get that kind of monotone kind of like oh my god if ever there was like a the opposite to an aphrodisiac it's lack of enthusiasm like, you know it'll kill any kind of excitement or fun or joy in a conversation um, and I know maybe some people may be in a mood in that time it's a once off that's fine but so imagine using that what's going on with you that you want to you want to bring that to someone <laughs> do you know what I mean uh, and if some people aren't aware they're in that, that's fine. Um, good luck in trying to make them aware of that one. But So you get what I'm saying there. That's hugely unhelpful. I know that may be obvious, but let's break it down a bit. Other things, interrupting. Now, we can all do a little bit of that by accident because we're enthusiastic about a conversation and it can be timing and that's fine. You go, oh, sorry, I talked to what? And that's we work that out. Oh, no problem, you go first. And, and it's polite and courteous and that's a lovely part of communication isn't it you know but when someone continually interrupts you we can do it by accident that's fine as I just said and, and you deal with it um, and you, you give each other a little bit of space to talk that's fine but it's that interrupting style it's a thing about style indirectness kind of round the head and you kind of go yeah I'm trying to get what you're saying do you mean you know and not, but they're purposely because again we can all be a little bit indirective or unsure and that's but we're getting there but some people use it as a style you know it's real passive aggressive you know close-minded one-sided you know they've got a lack of consciousness lack of clarity lack of awareness and they're all kind of really disrespectful aren't they you know, it's like, well, why are you in the fucking competition? Well, what's, what do you want? Again, which is why, if you know someone's like this, why would you choose to go to them? That can be a help, you know. Now, you may not know that about someone, but if you meet that consistently, I wouldn't stay too long in that now. You know, if you're meeting that, it's like, they may communicate beautifully with someone else, but they're not for you. Because there's nothing you can do in your style to change that other than not communicate with them, not be in, in connection with them. If that's their, their thing, you know whining whinging complaining yeah you don't mind someone I've had a fucking terrible day and they blah 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 and they get that out of the way then they start that's fine you know that's different they're just talking honestly when someone's whinging and whining and bitching and pissing and moaning it's a fucking drag man it's a drag to hear that regularly you know alright okay Okay. I wonder when they're going to ask me how I am. <laughs> Once you're saying that you're in the wrong relationship or friendship, definitely, you know. Again, you allow a once-off someone. Someone might say, look, I'm sorry, it was just all me there, wasn't it? That's when someone has that awareness, you don't mind. But when you can sense someone's not aware, that bitch and that and monotone, that triggers me, that monotone. Or if it's in text, monosyllabic, you know, just boom, one syllable. Yeah, no. You're giving them an essay. <laughs> and you get, yeah. <laughs> you know, now that's always a sign that you're, you're probably not in sync with someone, you know. I'm just thinking of um, that comedian, Catherine Tate. Uh, she used to do Lauren, didn't she? I'm above it. I'm above it. Her. 
one of her characters was this kind of real naive woman who used to obviously she was she was getting conned by these guys in foreign countries and giving them loads of money with promises of marriage and all that and she's like yeah i've just i've just sent abdul ten thousand pounds that's my whole life savings you know and she sent him this you know so a few days have passed now i don't know whether he's got it or not you know so she sends him this big long text just thinking if you can't wait baby to see it blah 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 blah. just wondering did you get the money a few months later she gets a text yes (laughs) that's what i'm talking about now i'm exaggerating that a bit you know because i enjoy writing of course but it's within some kind of reason you know um you know, if you're looking at your text and you see that you've got big ones all the time and they have small ones, you know, other than if that's just a person's style, usually there's something a little up there, you know. Now, I've got a choice in that, of course, but I know the difference. I know the difference between uh, somebody's style is just a bit, they, they use shorter terms or someone's just kind of dragging their heels a bit. They're kind of doing a monosyllabic piece and that's usually the, you know, nail in the coffin like we're done here, you know, kind of thing. And that can be across the board and, and you know, but if I have friendships, of course, if developed friendships, that's not going to be there because we've worked that bit out. It wouldn't have worked. But often in the beginnings, you might find some of this and it'll give you a chance to make changes if you're finding this is happening, you know, or maybe it wasn't there and then it is. That's, that's that can happen. That's pretty cool. That, that's an indication. Something is up. Someone's being passive aggressive. You need to have a sit down straight or face to face. What the fuck's going on? Because it's not their style, you know. But if you find this becomes someone's style, it's like, okay. All right. So they're all unhelpful. I think you'll all agree with that. What's helpful? Okay. So again, atmosphere, as I said, the energy behind your words, behind what you're going to speak to, what you're going to text, what you're going to voice note, what you're going to sit down face-to-face with the person or the group, the few people you're talking to. What's your energy? What's your, you know intention are you in the light triad place of agreeability that you want to connect that you're warm that you're enthusiastic that's all really really important because you can have all the nice words without that and it like falls flat okay so here's what can be really helpful statements you can make and again i statements are usually better you tend to be accusatory but if you can i i would like Okay, so I would like is a lovely one, isn't it? It's very open. So you're looking for invitational, open-ended questions. So I would like, all right, can we, can we, can we talk about, can we meet, can we? Again, they're all very open. They're all very welcoming. Can we? You know, there's no, the bridge is open. There's no, the, the drawbridge isn't down here. And the other ones, the drawbridge is going up and down, taking your fucking head off, you know. Or sometimes with the more twisted, uh, uh, fucked up people, it's like, oh, they're going, yeah, come on in. And then they'll fucking whack you as you try to get in, you know. I thought you liked me, you know. Um, so helpful is, I would like, can we? Would it be possible? I was wondering. I was wondering. Now, there's millions of these, but I'm just using someone that gives you a flavor of when you hear this from someone with good energy, what does that do to you? When I hear that, with good energy, I, I hear the invitation, I hear this person wants to be in my energy field. These people want to know me. These people are interested. So interest, you know, I'm curious to know. When, isn't it beautiful when someone's curious about you with good energy? You know, just want to know about you. I'm interested in you. I'm interested in blah, 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 right? Uh, tell me about it's kind of a direct, it's not even a question. Tell me about yourself. Tell me about what you do. Blah, blah, blah. It's, it's really nice. Again, someone's 
commitment and interest in you, you know. Uh, they're not uninterested. It's not a drag. You're not getting all that other shit there, you know. I mean, the way I am, is I think I am, I hope I am, is if I'm not interested, I'm not going to put someone through a big conversation if I don't want to and pretend I am. How can I help you, you know? Ah, yeah, I want to talk to you. How can I help you with that? You don't, I don't even mean as a therapist, though. So how can I help? What would help in this conversation? You know, again, an openness, willingness, willingness to kind of connect, to communicate, hugely important. How can I help? What would you like again? There would be, you can say, well, I would like, what would you like? So what would you like? What would you like? How would that help, you know? And that can go back and forth a little bit, you know? Or here's a lovely saying. Here's what I'm thinking, feeling. It's cards on, you know, cards on the table. Here's what I'm thinking, feeling. Opens it out, doesn't it? The other person goes, oh, wow. Right? And then if you're with a light triad person who is interested in you, that will fuel them much, much more. And they will take a positive risk and go, oh, I was thinking similar. Well, I wasn't thinking that, but now that you've said it, it just opens up possibilities. Possibilities begin to shine, right? Um, Can I ask you? It's another nice statement, isn't it? Can I ask you? Can I ask you something? Yeah, sure. Go ahead, you know. Or I need to tell you, I've been thinking all day, I need to tell this group this, or I need to tell you, I really appreciate you guys, or I need to tell you I've, I love you, or I need to tell you that like I'm really impressed with you. Or whatever it is we need to tell someone, right? I need to tell you. I need you to know. Same, kind of similar, right? Can you tell me? Can you tell me a little bit? Can you, again, be inquisitive? I love this one because I love the clarity in it. We're going to have a conversation and then you you, uh, you start it with, well, here's what I hope will come from this conversation. I have something that here's what I hope I'm, that mightn't happen, but here's what I hope, you know, that we'll get a clarity on or you'll agree to or we'll go again, you know, whatever it might be. It doesn't matter what it is. Again, the outcome necessarily isn't as important as the process as such. I want to support you. I want to support you. We're talking to one, and that's obvious, isn't it? But sometimes it's nice to say. It's nice to hear, isn't it? Never assume that someone you know knows that. It's lovely to hear it with the good energy behind it. Listen, I'm really with you. I want to support you in this. Go on, tell me more. Tell me what's going on with you. I really want to support you. I've got, I've got time. I want to listen to you. You know, I, I love listening to you. I'm sorry you're going through a tough time, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's a joy for me to want to be in your energy field and to talk. I don't want to hurt you. Now, that could be obvious, isn't it? And don't hurt me. Now, that's the energy, the delivery of that is not done in a reactive way. It's like, it's, it's even though we would assume that would be true, it's lovely to hear it. Listen, I really don't want to hurt you. And, and if I do, it, it'll only be by accident because I've, I was a bit clumsy, but there, there's no malice and I really don't want you to hurt me. And it's a nice agreement, isn't it? You know, it, just to hear it can be nice. I respect you, value you. And again, that would be conveyed in, in your actions, but it's, it's nice to say it. But you want the words and the energy together, you know, because sometimes you can get the words without the energy. You can certainly get the energy without the words. The energy is nice, but you're, it's, it's, it's nice to get them padded with the words as well. So you can be, it's clarity. I would appreciate, I love it when, a lovely thing to say. I love it when you call me. I love it when I get your text. I love it when we meet as a group. I love it when, whatever it might be. Okay, so when communication gets tricky, even with good communication, it can be a, sometimes feelings can run high, not even angrily, just like, oh God, what's happening to me here? Or what, what way? Can we pause for a minute? Can we come back to this? You know, can I call you again about it? And I will. 
I'm not just putting you out. I just need a little bit of time. That's wonderful, isn't it? To have that space. Can I get back to you? I'll follow up on this. And I'm looking forward to talking to you again about it. But just leave it with me for a while. You know, but don't leave the person fucking hanging for for months. <laughs> you know what I mean? get, if you say you're going to get get back to them again, this, you're, you're probably thinking of uh, loads of different ways, more statements you can make, but they're very common, very useful with that backup energy. Do you know what I mean? With that kind of follow up energy or the backup energy of uh, love and care, respect. Where you can feel, you know, when you're talking to someone, someone's communicating with you, you can feel their interest. You can feel their curiosity. Isn't it lovely when you feel someone's love for you, someone caring about you, someone wishing well for you, and you can hear it in the way they speak to you and the time that they give you and how they give you that time. Hey, well, again, that's a group, your family, your friend, lover, it doesn't matter, you know. This is all human contact. When you can feel that from someone, you can feel the respect. It's beautiful. It kind of like it, it strengthens me. It's a synergy experience. Then I, I want to be that way anyway with the other person, but that'll make me even stronger in that with them. Okay, not much more to say about that. You know, again, you you, you get the general idea there. Just to recap, look at who you're communicating with. Are they in the light triad? You know, within reason. Are they people that are capable of meeting your needs, knowing what your needs are? Do I want to convey that? Are they the right group of people to ask that from? Good question. They might be okay people, but they mightn't be the right people for you. You know, so that's getting that. Now, we can have a few bogey runs on that and we can get a bit strong, but then we know, okay, I don't think. Then we, you might start to notice certain styles and people that are similar that don't work for you very well. So just to keep a note of that yourself, you know. Um, an interesting thing about communication, I've tried to say this quite a few times. I'm, I'm not sure if I've said it in podcasts. It may be something to literally to do with my ears and how I hear, right? Um, and it goes back to like, even when I did, you know, use chemicals in the 70s, seems so long ago, I never liked pubs anyway because I always found it too loud, right? But particularly being sober and clean and that, I certainly... And I was always fascinated why people, let's all go for a drink to relax. I was like, inside my whole body reacted because I never felt relaxed in that environment. And sometimes it was literally from a communication perspective, right? When everybody's talking, I'm kind of going, well, no one can hear me, but I, they don't even care that I can't hear them, or can they? And that happened to me relatively recently in, in a, a restaurant. And I was thinking, maybe there's something wrong with my hearing. I don't think there is, though, because it's quite sharp in ways. Maybe it's just a quirky thing in me, but it was a daytime. It wasn't even that busy. But, you know, the clashing, you know, the, the forks and like that sound and cups and plates and, and conversations. And there wasn't even a lot of drink going on. So it was about 10 around the table. I'm kind of, and people, just, people are trying to talk to me and I'm kind of going, are they not concerned that I can't hear them? That That, that was the thing. You know, in communication, it's like they didn't seem to have any awareness by my facial expressions that I couldn't really hear them. You know, and I'm thinking, can they hear me? Did they, did they? And then I might say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm smiling. My face is hurting from smiling. Yeah, really, yeah. Because I don't want to be impolite. I, I can't really hear you, you know. And then you don't want them to start shouting because <laughs> it hurts. So I don't know. I don't get that. I don't know if anyone else has that experience. But there's something about communication in not only, of course, I want to be heard, but I want the other one person to know that they know I'm hearing them. 
you know, and that's very hard to know in a very loud place. Just baffles me a little bit. So it's a bit like, you know, that all those communication skills I was talking about there. The important piece always is, have you heard what I've said? You know, did I hear what you, is this what you meant? So it's back to the meanings. So you're checking out. I suppose in the loudness of a, a, a restaurant or a pub, it's very hard to check that out. So a lot of the subtleties get lost. You know, and then some people say to me, ah, but Jimmy, it's just small talk. You you, you you pay too much attention, you know. Can you not just go with it, you know? But then people try to tell you really important things. And I'm kind of going, I don't mind bullshit talk if you want to do that. But they're trying to say all these important things. So I haven't seen you for ages. Tell me all about you. What's, so what made you become a psychotherapist? Oh, no. My head starts to pound. It's like, ah, oh, I can just hear all this noise. Okay, I can't not hear all the other voices. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, that there may be some neurological thing there, I don't know. Because uh, it doesn't seem to bother other people as much. as I've never met anyone yet that it bothers as much as it bothers me. And I feel bad for the other person because I'm thinking like, I, I want to hear them, but they don't seem to care whether I can really hear them. Or maybe they think I can, you know. So you do lots of nodding. Really? Oh, and lots of, yeah, you hope you're nodding at the right time and no way, you know. Um, and then they look at you with a pause because they're waiting for a reaction and you're kind of going, but I tell them I didn't hear them, but I bluff. So could you just say that again? I just kind of missed that a bit, you know? You'll have to come a bit closer, you know? Anyway, it's a little uh, bugbear of mine. Um, I've never found that comfortable uh, in crowded or noisy places to try to have a deep conversation. Yeah. There's that thing, actually, it came out where I actually wrote it down because it's a bit hard to remember. Where did I write it? Why am I humming match of the day? That's which is on a Saturday night. Football seasons and then Liverpool are fifth. Man United pipped them to the post. Got fourth position, which means Champions League football. None for Liverpool. We'll get just Europa League, which is kind of the scabby league, basically. It's the yellow pack one. <laughs> uh, but look, yeah. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. There was this um, economist. He wasn't a psychologist. He wasn't, a, a, as far as I'm aware, interested in, in the part of humanity that I'm talking about in these podcasts. His name, I'm saying was, I don't know if he's still alive, Alan Greenspan. And it was in the 70s, I think, or early 80s. Anyway, check this out. This is what he said. I know you think you understand what you thought I said, but I'm not sure you realize that what you heard is not what I meant. How about, I'm going to give you that again. I know, I know. Get your mind around this one now, right? It's very clever in terms of everything I'm saying about communication. So here it goes again. I know you think you understand what you thought I said, but I'm not sure you realize that what you heard is not what I meant. That kept just, that's the whole podcast there really, isn't it? I'll give you that a third time, just to be sure, right? Now, again, you're all probably thinking, stop fucking patronizing, Jimmy. We heard, I find it hard to kind of, I have to think about it a bit. I know you think you understand what you thought I said, but I'm not sure you realize that what you heard is not what I meant. That should be the little, that's a good little mantra now for clear communication. Keep that in mind. Alan Greenspan. Um, Music-wise, I was thinking of, you know, from a, a dysfunctional point of view, not just addiction, but it can happen in addiction, addiction, early recovery. People are very eager to be honest and they it can be a bit like very extreme. But not just people in recovery, people in general, you know, 
it's kind of can be an all or nothing kind of vibe, you know. And it reminded me of that uh, wonderful song by Alabama Three called Peace in the Valley. And it's got that real extreme vibe, you know, to it, you know, in terms of communication, which is not bad, but you, you need to balance it out a little bit. Anyway, one of the lines is, or a couple of lines are, he don't know if he's a communist, a hedonist or a whore. He spent too much time riding on a white line to find the door. If he did, and he opened it, he'd find the letters in the hall. He's too blind to read between the lines because the writing's on the wall, but there's going to be peace in the valley tomorrow. Lord, tonight, we're going to blow it all away. He feels so twisted, he ain't ever going to fix it. He's just waiting for the light to shine on a brand new day. And that really captures that quite all-or-nothing style of communication, you know, <laughs> You know, I fucking could all live there, but it'd be peaceful tomorrow, you know, kind of. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but it can be good to balance that out of it, just to slow that down. You know, it can be a trauma reaction sometimes, you know, just name that with it. Because I was talking a lot about kind of like dysfunctional communication that can be part of that, like extreme style of communication, you know. Um, yep, I think I've covered quite a lot now what I can do. It's, it's all about going out and practicing it now. Yeah, I was going to say something about practicing it. You know, good communication takes time and, and practice. It's an art form, as I said, like, and you know, it really is. It's a beautiful art form. Um, and it's, you might have different, you'll always be who you are, but you might adapt differently to different people because their meanings are different, as I said. And that's the art to be able to kind of go, Oh, when I'm talking to him, that means that. When I'm talking to her, that means that. Okay, I know what that. You know, and you find a happy medium and you keep checking with the meaning all the time. Is that we're on the, you know, and after a while you get to know with people. Okay. It takes practice, right? No one does this naturally that I'm aware of anyway. I practice and practice and practice. Now I know I work at communication, but still I, it's something to practice and be aware of how it is, what, what what are meanings, what are interpretations, what's been said, what's not been said, what are my feelings, sensing, picking up, smelling, all that type of stuff. Um, and I was thinking of uh, ACDC. Now, there's a non-sequitur talking about practice and communication and a rock band from 70s and 80s, uh, heavy metal band ACDC. But uh, it's a bit like their song beautifully in the film School of Rock with Jack Black in it. It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. I'm a big ACDC fan. I love them through the 70s. I love them now. I love Angus Young's guitaring. Fucking amazing, right? But it's a great song. And, and if you haven't seen ever seen the film uh, School of Rock, it's delightful. Jack Black's brilliant in it. Musically, it's lovely. Lovely themes in it. Um, but even to be a, you know, if rock and roll is the metaphor for real groovy, good communication, it's a long way to the top if you want to write you have to fucking practice it and he's talking about in the song you know getting fucking put down getting uh, the shitty gigs all the stuff you have to do that's just like getting bad communication relationships going bad but you keep at it and you try and you try and like if you could communicate if the equivalent to ACDC belting out a song was the equivalent to good communication I'd be well happy you know so it's a long way to the top if you want good communication if you want to rock and roll Scott Bonham on vocals, he's R.I.P. since 1980. Um, but uh, English Young's still with us. That's the guy who wore the uh, had that that brilliant gimmick of the the schoolboy, the school bag, and the school. Brilliant! What a guitarist! Wonderful, wonderful. Oh yes, yes. Undercurrent in communication, but not necessarily a negative undercurrent, like imagery, dreams, musical symbols, uh, 
abstract creative non sequiturs as a favorite of mine now and um nobody better than that than stevie nicks or fleetwood mac you know so paradoxically stevie nicks has a way of and fleetwood mac but particularly stevie nicks both with them and solo of using these kind of like seemingly creative non sequitur dream like kind of lyrics but it's very clear what she means i think you know that paradox so the song um Lancelot, I don't know if you know her, but if you do know her or don't know her, I would suggest if you do listen to it that you check out the live with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra version. Live with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. There's a few versions of it, but that's just the particular, the best version. And here's a lovely lyric. And again, there's reference to Inner Child here. That's why it's really important, right? Oh, mirror in the sky, what is love? Can the child within my heart rise above? Can I sail through the changing ocean tides? Can I handle the seasons of my life? Oh, I don't know. And then she says, I've been afraid of changing because I built my world around you. And time makes you bolder. Children grow older. And I'm growing older too. I'm growing older too. Beautiful, beautiful way of communicating. Uh, wisdom. You know, a lovely paradox with the inner child. So you've got the innocence and the open heart of the inner child. You've got the adult recognizing and growing older. I love it. I love the way she writes. I love the way she uses symbols and metaphors. Like in that, you know, off rumors, dreams. When the rain washes you clean, you'll know. You'll know. You know? Marvelous. For some reason, I have Eeyore written down. Because I've got I was obsessed with thinking about Eeyore's style of communication from there. Uh, because he's so... Uh, Passive aggressive. <laughs> and uh, so I don't know who he's saying this to, but he's saying, Nobody tells me. Nobody keeps me informed. I make it 70 days, 17 days come Friday since anyone spoke to me. And he's in a huff, you know. And I think it was Christopher Robin says to him, But ER, like, you stay where you are all the time. Maybe you need to come and visit people, you know. And there's something about communicating that to someone like ER who, as I said, isn't inherently bad there's no toxicity there there's just a lot of hurt and i think when that said to him he kind of goes oh okay yeah maybe you know and again we've all been in that situation you know um yeah i've made reference to this before i think Pooh says to him oh eeyore you seem really sad sad why should i be sad it's my birthday the happiest day of the year <laughs> love that sarcasm i love that in someone that's not really harmful i don't like it when someone can do a lot of harm but characters like here i know people like that that you know aren't really going to hurt you they just have a little bit of an edge but it's easy to get past it but there are some people that have that edge and then there's a fucking blade waiting for you behind that you know and you don't want that you certainly don't want that okay um drawing to a close on communication part three i mean all the podcasts are going to be about communication in some shape fashion or form but these these three are directly about that i was looking at um yes there's an arc within an arc which is another favorite saying of mine and i was listening to that a beautiful song by the brian j white quartet called sometimes the arc within the arc is that when i listen to that song in the song he's talking about listening to a song right that's the arc in it and it's a very kind of jazzy kind of lovely chords or changes in it and it just it's very uplifting and what i love about it is it captures beautifully both the need to connect with other human beings 
but also if we connect with ourselves and love ourselves, it's okay because the other can't do that. But I can't do that without the other, and I can't do the other without that. You know that beautiful paradox. But once you know, chicken or the egg, once I get one kicks off, the other comes into play, and vice versa. So they they'll feed each other, right? So um, and this beautiful change in this. So it goes. Sometimes I just feel alone. Sometimes I just get enough. Sometimes when I'm feeling low, I turn off my mind and I put the music on. Yeah. So when you think that you don't belong here anymore, nothing is clear, nothing is right or wrong, yeah? You're looking for changes that will make you roll. You try and you try, but nothing moves on. And then there's this lovely line, but there's always a way to start believing again. Oh yeah, I tell you, baby, there's always a way. Sometimes I feel all alone. And then there's this lovely piece which captures the self-love that I spoke about. You know, you've but you've got to be proud of yourself because only your own love could save your soul. I love that. Your soul, your soul. Only your own love can save your soul. So in a way, there's a part that we need to do for ourselves, but not in an isolated, bitter way. There's a part that when I'm in that space, I know it's just me for me. But when I connect with another, it helps me to do that and vice versa. You know, now I know there's a little gap in between where you kind of go, oh, which one comes first? It doesn't really, we need both. That's what I'm saying. We need both. Sometimes I just feel alone. Sometimes I just get enough. Sometimes when I'm feeling low, I turn off my mind and put the music on. Isn't that just wonderful? How often do we do that without thinking about it? It's like we're, we're trouble in our mind with something. Boom. And that's why as an arc within an arc, I was actually like that this morning. And I happened to put that song on and I thought, oh, he's singing what I'm actually doing. You know, and you might dance or you might move and it takes you out of the kind of the, the, the chitter chatter of your mind that's that's useless at that time brings you into that space and into yeah and I didn't need anyone in that moment to help me feel proud of myself and love who I am I think the fact that I have been loved in the past helped me be in that and then me being in that will help me love more you know and it kind of goes that way I think that's that's how it goes you know so there's the end for the moment to sometimes the Brian J. White Quartet there. I'm ending on that one. It's called Sometimes. Check that out. The song out if you don't know it. It's got a lovely, lovely vibe to it. Nice musical changes in it. It uh, really speaks to me. Um, and I will be returning next week with, I don't know what, something. Um, and again, as I do, you know, thank you so much for listening for all your comments anyone else want to comment please do if there's a subject you want me to cover let me know because i won't know unless you tell me um and if you feel the podcast is worth a rating five stars wonderful because i said before it helps with the algorithms it gives it you know more of a reach out there other people will hear it um and always always appreciate uh comments uh, i never get anything terribly negative I, I often get like i wish you do this more than that you know blah 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 uh otherwise uh you know it's been really really good and i want to thank you all for that and for continually listening and supporting me through this project it's very arty isn't this project so i will say goodbye for now and we'll talk with you in a while um i will talk with you next sunday i would imagine hope you're well and bye for now.
Thank you for joining me in the Twilight Conversations. If you'd like to get in contact with us regarding any aspect of the show, you can get in touch at thetwilightconversations at gmail.com. So the Twilight Conversations is an independent project. We're not getting any help from anybody, no major corporations or anything like that. So if you like the content, if you like what you're hearing, please continue to support us via our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash the Twilight Conversations.